This episode is sponsored by Audible. Get a free audiobook of your choice that you get to keep with their free trial. You can learn more at lutherancartographer.com slash audible. The Lutheran Cartographer, episode 76. Welcome to The Lutheran Cartographer, the podcast where we explore what it's like to be Lutheran in different places. I'm your host, Nicholas Weber. Today we are going to Wartburg, Tennessee to talk to Pastor David Griggs. He is the pastor of St. Paul Lutheran Church there in Wartburg. Pastor Graves, welcome to the show. Nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Tell us about where we are. Where is Wartburg, Tennessee? Wartburg, Tennessee is situated in the beautiful Cumberland Mountains of Tennessee in the eastern part of the state. Uh, if we were to tell somebody who, who asked, hey, where's Wartburg? We'd say it's in the Knoxville metropolitan area, which it is. It's, it's just west and north of Knoxville. Um, if you know where Oak Ridge, Tennessee is, we're just about 25 minutes uh, west and north of there. So um, within mountain driving, that's that's a little bit uh, longer of a time. However, it's probably about 15 or so miles uh, outside of Oak Ridge and about 20 or so, a little bit more than that miles outside of Knoxville. Um, not sure miles, I just know I know time. But we would say Knoxville is about 45 minute drive from us. Uh, we're proudly in East Tennessee up in the northern part of the mountains. Uh, the ranges out here, which is the Cumberland, south of Knoxville is where you have the Smoky Mountains. So we're just north of there. I see. Some of the other people that we've interviewed notice a divide between parts of the state. So, for example, in South Dakota, you have East River and West River, where you have two different cultures. You mentioned East Tennessee. Is that just a geographical orientation or is it also a cultural one? Both. So there are three grand divisions of the state of Tennessee west, middle, and east. Um, our state flag has three stars uh, in it. It's the most prominent symbol uh, that we have in Tennessee that most people notice, even more so than the state seal. And we're very proud of our state flags. It shows that unity between the three grand divisions. Uh, the east is known for its mountains, especially the Great Smoky Mountains. Um, we're in a different mountain range, but we're all part of that same Appalachian mountain region, which characterizes east Tennessee. Middle Tennessee is characterized by Nashville, um, uh, more of a rolling hills sort of area, a very different culture there. In the West, uh, characterized by Memphis and the Mississippi River, very fat, flat plain land uh, where there was a lot of farming agriculture. Not as much here in the East. Uh, Tennessee anymore, especially in the middle in the East, is aimed more towards the entertainment industry and, and different industries that have popped up here and businesses moving here from all around the country because of Tennessee's very friendly business. I see. So let's turn to, to you. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to Wartburg. Sure. So I was born and raised in Columbia, Missouri. Uh, that's where my family largely resides, except for my brother and, and his family live in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I went to Westminster College in Fulton, Missouri, where I got my bachelor's degree uh, in religion and uh, minor in classics with Latin. Uh, there I converted to Lutheranism. I was actually raised in the evangelical church, uh, the independent Christian churches or the Campbellite movement. Um, but it's uh, something that they don't hold as much to or, or say they hold as much to, but that's that's what it is. And in, in college, I, I converted to Lutheranism. I was looking for something deeper, something richer, something that had a little bit more depth to it. And I found it 
in confessional Lutheranism, became a Lutheran in 2006. And um, those around me who, who showed, my, uh, showed me my uh, way into the Lutheran church were very encouraging, saying, hey, you should become a pastor. And so I went to Concordia Seminary in St. Louis in 2009 after I graduated college. And I was called here in May of 2013. I was ordained in June of 13, and I was installed here in August of 2013. I've been here ever since. Fantastic. Tell us a little bit more about making that transition from evangelicalism to Lutheranism. Before we started recording, you mentioned that the area around you is a little evangelical. It's a different kind of evangelical, right, where you are now? Vastly different, okay. yes. Um, here in Wartburg, it is characterized by a strong independent Baptist flavor. Um, I, I, they wouldn't even call themselves evangelical. They, they're very much Baptist and a very particular view within the Baptist tradition. I was raised in something that was an offshoot of, of, of that, more so the Campbellite Restoration Movement, sort of, you know, we are the repristinated church uh, from the original first century Christians. Everything in between us was a great apostasy, and we're reviving uh, the true Christian church. That was pretty much where I came from. Uh, and they're peculiar and different from Baptists in the fact that they believe in baptismal regeneration. They have uh, communion every Sunday. However, they believe um, that communion is very symbolic, and they have a very different take on, on a few other things, especially what the church is. You know, they would view uh, baptismal regeneration as, as important, but uh, they would also say it has to be done as an adult, it has to be a decision. So you, you get this weird blending of different beliefs, and, and people who are familiar with the Church of Christ can see they're part of that tradition as well, and that's, that's the closest thing you can compare it to. Becoming a confessional Lutheran from that, the biggest difference was um, communion. That, that was a, a huge deal, especially as in the Midwest, where to believe in the body and blood truly present um, in communion was a big jump from where I was, which is this just a symbol. Um, baptism wasn't a huge leap. Uh, we already believed in regeneration. It was just sort of, hey, this works for babies too. And that wasn't a, a, a huge uh, bridge to gap uh, or, you know, it, it wasn't something that was really, really hard to do for me. It was more a communion being more central and more important um, and elevating that was, was more, it wasn't for me, a, I would say a personal struggle. It was putting those pieces together. And once they all fit, you can't go back to anything else. Honestly, you just can't. Um, once you hear the gospel, once you encounter Jesus as he truly is for the first time and read the Bible, this was the biggest thing, reading the Bible in context, um, that, that was a massive, massive leap. There are, there, are familiar, excuse me, there are similarities here in people's journeys to Lutheranism um, as, as they are trying to make sense of that, that conversion. However, it's more centered here in baptism. That's more the issue mm, that, that we encounter. Okay. Well, let's return to the question of what things are like there in a little bit. But before we get there, I want to ask you, what are some of the things that you like best about the Wartburg area? Well, it's one of the most beautiful parts of the country. I, I, I've not seen anything anywhere like it um, in my life. It's I've been to Colorado. I've been to L.A. And, and you mentioned before, hey, uh, you know, this time of year in Washington is absolutely beautiful. I've not been there, uh, but from what I've seen of the country— it's absolutely beautiful place. Uh, the mountains are gorgeous, um, and it's 
we're actually in a place where it's it's considered a temperate rainforest. So it's a, it's a different climate and it's a different sort of um, you know scenery than you'd you'd see in some other parts of the country. It's very much part of the Appalachian Mountain uh, area, and I'd say the people here are absolutely wonderful, very very kind. Um, they are very loving. I was told before I came to the South um, by a uh, professor, he said, listen, I did ministry of the South for years. You're gonna have to listen to a lot of things that may shock you. You may have to, you may have to uh, see a bunch of things you didn't think you'd see, but if you can get through all that, you have a friend for life. And that's true. You put in, or you get out what you put in here. Um, people, are, people aren't gonna run up to you and, and wanna say, oh, hey, come do this, this, and this. Um, there's a give and take. But if you can show that love for them, they will love you no matter what. And they are, they are very, very welcoming. People come in from all over the country to move here, and they kind of expect it's going to be like where they're from. Here it takes a little bit more work. But if you put that work in, you're just as much part of this community as if you were born here. Um, they are absolutely wonderful people. You, you have to show that you love and appreciate them. I, I think because for generations, they've been shown quite the opposite by most people. Um, but once you do, you have friends for life and you have more than that. You have almost like a family and it's a very tight knit community, uh, very caring community and, and one that I'm very, very proud and honored to serve. I'm privileged to do that. That's fantastic. So there, it sounds like there's a real a community spirit that relies on the participation of its members as kind of the ticket to admission rather than birth or heritage? I'd say it's, it's a both end. I think if you're not from here, yeah, we, you, you gotta, you gotta prove it a little bit. Uh, you gotta, you gotta show us that, that you care. Um, but you know, it's, it's uh, well worth it if you do. And it does, it doesn't take as much as you think. It's just simply showing interest and, and caring for people and, and showing that you do care about it. It doesn't take a whole lot. Uh, to to get in there, I think people sit back and they want people to show up at their house and do all these things. They're like, no, if you, if you move here, you gotta you gotta be part of something. You gotta get involved. And if you are, that's awesome. If if you just stay by yourself, well, then you're gonna be by yourself because no one's gonna come and see you. Uh, but if you show up here, oh yeah, they'll they'll help you no matter what. That's great. Let's talk about the flip side. What are some of the challenges about the area? The challenges are, I, I would say, growing up in the city. I, I'm from Columbia, Missouri, um, where Walmart is two minutes away from my dad's house where I grew up. And so the convenience of living in the city and going to the grocery store within a you know, couple of minutes saying, hey, I can go get this real quick and be back. And it's going to take me less than you know, half an hour to go do this is a big shock living in an area where it's a bit more rural. However, we're in the east. So uh, I was a vicar in Connecticut, and it kind of reminds me of that, where you have these little townships, and they kind of uh, butt up against each other. Same thing here. In Missouri, if you're out in the country, it's like, well, here's your town, and 10 miles away, there's another town, but in between that, there's nothing. That's not how it works here. Uh, I can hit a different town once I go down the highway to, no to Knoxville and not see empty farmland. Um, it's going it's to be one town to the next town to the next town. So that's a little different to where it's 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 a little bit more rural, and if you want to go to Walmart, yeah, you got to go to Oak Ridge or go south to Harriman, or if you want to go to Target, you got to go to Knoxville to do that. I get used to driving to get to places you want, uh, but uh, you know the convenience part, yeah, we don't have that. Uh, it, it takes a little bit, uh, but we have plenty of things uh, near. It's it's not like we have to go hours and hours to get what we want. 
Um, if you get to Knoxville, you have literally everything you have in a, in a major U.S. city. They they have it have it all. So it's not hard to uh, to go do things you want. You just got to drive a little bit. I'd say the challenge, the flip side of of social challenges uh, are that yeah, you know, in a small town things can get clicky, and trying to break through that does take, like I said, some some effort. But uh, it's it's not as hard as you think, especially if you're involved in a place like the church. Um, and sometimes when people get so close to you and so in your business, resentment can form at times. And so those tight knit relationships can change and, and they can unfortunately break apart from time to time. So there is the human side to, to the good and bad here. And, and we have it all just like anywhere else. But I think the biggest challenge for me are, uh, is the religious challenge, which is of course being in a culture that's dominated by the independent Baptist church and its views on, on what is uh, socially acceptable, uh, what is religiously acceptable, and, and doctrinally what, what is to be taught and believed, and, and a very, I'd say, a very narrow and very strict adherence to that, and that expectation for everyone here. And if you don't fall in line with that, there's some, there's some conflict, um, either, either inadvertently or directly. And, and that is a challenge, as a challenge for a lot of our people, and has been since we've been here 175 years. I see. Well, let's go on and talk about that. What's it like to be Lutheran in, there in the midst of all these independent Baptists? There's two ways to look at it. I'd say the first way is it's wonderful. Uh, coming from the Midwest, I'd say this is a wonderful place to be a Lutheran uh, because we have to really focus on what matters. We, we have to really be concerned with um, what is absolutely essential about who we are. Uh, and so the arguments that you hear about uh, in places where Lutheranism is more dominant, um, sort of the color of the carpet controversies and things like that, yeah, you'll have that from time to time here, but not that much. Um, you don't have the, well, I'm not liking this style or that, so I'm going to go to this other church down the street that's Lutheran and, and that. We have to get along. <laughs> we, we have to work through our conflict. Uh, we, we have to uh, speak to one another because there is nowhere else to go. You have to drive down to Harriman or, or Oak Ridge every Sunday morning to go to another Lutheran church. Um, so, and the people here were planted here almost 175 years ago. Next year is a 175. So there's a lot of family connection. Uh, but now for the local community, uh, people who are converting to Lutheranism, um, there's there's a large there, well there's a there's a very intense love for the church and and for the community and for the congregation that's welcomed them in especially they've been affected for years and years so you could say it's a really great place to be a Lutheran because where when you're in the minority you become a little bit more devout and you see that devotion very intensely in a place like this when you're surrounded by lack of better word opposition see, the negative thing is socially it becomes very difficult for our families and for our young people who are confronted uh, by those who either just don't understand what they believe or, or are opposed to what we believe um, and, and largely out of ignorance and, and will be called weird or, or strange or mocked or made fun of or maybe ostracized a bit from certain things. And that's, especially in the past, been a very big problem. Um, it's It's been a really big problem when it comes to certain aspects of school life uh, when they're confronted by uh, sometimes teachers and sometimes classmates. Uh, but more and more, I think that's not as intense as it was, but that that sort of 
well, you're different than us and we don't like this sort of flavor is, is still pretty strong and it's, and it's everywhere. So it is, it is difficult because people just look at you as thoughts and go like, I don't get this. I don't understand it. And they also refuse to dig in. So it takes making those relationships and educating people on what Lutheranism is. And once they understand that, um, they have a much more positive view. But if they just look at you, make up their mind and go about their way, they're just going to believe all sorts of weird things that most of the time aren't even true or they're taken out of context. And it's, I mean, to give examples, someone said, you know, to one of our kids, don't you all celebrate Hanukkah? Uh, <laughs> I mean, we're not even in the same ballpark there. And, and so you, you, you hear some really strange stuff and you can say, you know, this is just a lot of ignorance. But once people come to understand, they become very interested and they become very positive. Towards it. Um, go like, wow, you're just like our older siblings in the faith. Uh, and I, I compare it to like this. I said, we're like your great aunt. Uh, you're, you're an offshoot of the Anglican church and we're, we're more connected to, to mom, uh, but your grandma's our sister. So the family pictures are similar, but the furniture is pretty different. Very different. You talked before we started recording about what independent Baptists were in that area and what some of their practices were. Could you share a little bit with our listeners so they understand kind of when you say that it's different and the furnishings are different, what does that other furniture look like? And how does it how does it affect how you talk to them? Well, it, it it's more about the emphasis of what worship is. Um, in a town of, or in a county, we, we really go by county population. We, we have a small town. It's a thousand people. Ironically, St. Paul Lutheran Church founded the town. It's the name Wartburg. Um, they're the ones who named it. They're the ones who founded it. It was meant to be a German community. Uh, but we are surrounded by uh, 120 different Baptist churches for 20,000 people in Morgan County. Small county. It's a depressed county in East Tennessee. Uh, but you know, we have tons of churches. Most of those churches are made up of 20 people or less. They're not really big, and a lot of them are products of being fractured. They're split from this, split from that. Independent simply means they're going to be very similar to Southern Baptists and their theology. Um, however, they don't, they don't require education for their pastors. They are independent in the fact that they don't, they don't give to the Southern Baptist uh, convention for, for missions. Uh, but also they have a view of the church that's very, very different. So they view that uh, Jesus only only uh, ordain the local congregation. So you, when you're baptized, you're baptized into that congregation, um, into that local church. There's no universe, understand a universal church, a universal Christian church. But if you don't do it this way, and if it's not like this, then you're just out. Um, you, you have no part of it. Oh, wow. I think those deeper understanding of, of uh, Baptist theology can, can get through that nuance. So don't be unfair to what they believe. But, but in effect, that's, that's ultimately it. It's, it has a strong connection to kind of Calvinism, um, but it's been kind of garbled through and it's kind of mixed with decision theology. So what you end up getting is the notion of what is church, what is ministry, are some of the biggest differences that we have, let alone baptism itself, which they are very big on. It's only decision. It's merely symbolic. You have to get saved. You have to uh, have this personal experience that guarantees your salvation, and you are once saved, always saved. Um, what that ends up doing in our community is that you have a lot of people who just don't go to church. People think, oh, in the South, they're very good churchgoers. Well, on Easter, if you crunch the numbers on Easter, and this is pre-COVID, only fit 25% at most of people are in church that day. 75% of people in the county don't go anywhere. 
yet will say we're of the Baptist religion or we're of the Baptist faith, but they don't have any congregation. They don't have a pastor and they don't practice Christianity whatsoever. So you have this notion, well, I got saved, so there's nothing left for me to do. Uh, so I don't have to do any of this. And when we have people come to us, uh, it's generally, you know, I was told I was going to hell all the time. If I took a drink of beer, they're very, very uh, big into teetotalism. So if you take one drink of beer, you're going to hell. Um, it's it's a lot of, of that. Uh, and, and the more kind of old-fashioned, extreme version of what, what Baptists are, it, it hangs on here. The independent Baptists are, are distinct from Southern Baptists in some ways, but to a Lutheran, it would all look the same. However, they'd be a little bit more on the moralistic and legalistic side of things. This is the way it has to be. You have to live like this. And and everything ends up being religious law. That's too bad. I want to go back to something you said earlier and what you said, just to make sure that I understood it. You said that they practice baptism for a congregation. So not only do you have they would teach that if you trans, well, they wouldn't call it transferring, but if you went to another congregation, you'd need to be rebaptized there then? Generally, yeah. Huh. Wow. Okay. Because that's the symbol of, of membership in that church. Ah, Let's I take see. a moment okay. for a word from our sponsor. Folks, if you like podcasts, you will enjoy Audible. It's a service that gives you a audiobook to listen to each month of your choice from a large library. And they want to get you started with a free trial offer that includes an audiobook that you get to keep. So go to lutherancartographer.com slash audible to get your free audiobook and start your free trial today. If you're not sure what book to check out, I'd recommend taking a look at Pastor Brian Wolf Mueller's Has American Christianity Failed? Pastor Wolf Mueller was a guest on episode 9, and his book on American Christianity goes through the various pitfalls that you see in big box churches as well as, well as American evangelicalism in general. Well worth checking out. Start your free trial today at lutherancartographer.com slash audible. Let's get back to our guest. Let's go on and talk about what it's like to raise a family there. Sure. People come from all the country now to come to East Tennessee uh, to have a family because of the pressures uh, of parts of the country that are going in a direction that are just not good for, let's say, what, what we believe as Christians. Um, it's, it's becoming less and less uh, moral. It's becoming more and more relativistic and it's becoming more and more uh, attached to the spirit of the age. Tennessee doesn't really hold to that as, as a whole, and especially in areas like Wartburg, you're not going to find anything close uh, to sort of the more bizarre manifestations of modern culture like you would on maybe the coast or in some big cities. So people come here because uh, Tennessee's big on freedom, uh, you have personal freedom to, uh, to live the life you want. But especially, it's more culturally conservative in, in a lot of ways. Even Knoxville, you'd say, is a large city, um, and, and it's far more conservative than than anything close to it as a college town. It's kind of I grew up in a college town. I don't consider Knoxville to be like a college town. It doesn't have the same sort of uh, liberal college town flavor to it. Um, it's even more socially conservative. So people really like that about here. So I'd say it's a wonderful place to raise kids. Um, you're, you're not going to have some of the same uh, worries here that you would in other parts of the country. And it's a big attraction for a lot of people these days. 
So, I mean, I'm all, I'm all positive about uh, why it's great for families and there's a lot of great opportunities uh, for families to get together and a lot of things to do. I mean, I always say if you're bored in Tennessee, that's your fault uh, because there's literally something to do all the time year round. This is such an active, active state and a state that's so rooted in entertainment. It, it's it's in your face. Coming from Missouri, you know, looking back, I'm like, wow, that's a boring place compared to Tennessee where there's live music everywhere all the time. Uh, and, you know, having th- something to do is pretty easy. It's, it's not hard to find something to do here. Like I said, if you sit around the house and you're bored, that's your problem. There's plenty of to do every single day. So for families, this is really a wonderful place, uh, a very affordable place to live. You're not going to spend a whole lot, uh, especially raising a family, but it's friendly to families. And I think it's a great place for families to be. And um, our congregation is very centered on our families and, and that it's a family church, especially for children. That's really good to hear. What educational options are there in in the area? Is there a Lutheran school? We have a preschool. So we have an early childhood education center uh, that we run and has been run for 40 years. And we have amazing teachers that those years are so critical. And I think the challenge here is to teach people about, hey, these years are really, really important, really critical. And you want the highest level of education and support you can for preschoolers. People want to opt towards free, but I said, hey, this is really a great thing. And the results speak for itself. It's a wonderful, wonderful school. And um, I I couldn't be more proud of it. Uh, We have local public schools. uh, We have a local high school. And there's four high schools in the county um, between Wartburg, Sunbright, Oakdale, and Cofield. And they each have corresponding elementary uh, schools. And there's a middle school here in Wartburg as well, in addition to homeschooling, which is becoming more and more Good deal. I want to talk about two things that you mentioned earlier in the interview and kind of bounce them off each other and see see what you think. One thing that you mentioned earlier was that because of the Lutheran orientation and the Lutheran confession that sometimes people look at you sideways and sometimes kids get kind of remarks at school because they are different. How would you recommend – and then later you talked about how – you can fit in with the community by putting in the work and by showing people that you care about them. How would you recommend to a family that's maybe starting out in Wartburg where they're, they are Lutheran and they are committed to that confession, and, but they also want to be good neighbors and to get along with their neighbors? How would you recommend, how did you go about navigating that? And how would you recommend that, say, a parishioner navigate that? Sure. Well, the outlet for us, of course, is the church um, to to be ourselves, to to celebrate what we believe, and to share that with with our neighbors who are in desperate need of it, which is the gospel. And here's the big thing that draws people. Here's 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 what we have uh, gotten deeper into, and I think which speaks to, to so many people. It, it's not quibbling over denominations. Where is the true visible church? Where Whereas the word preached in its fullness and the sacraments rightly administered, and we embrace the fullness of that Christian tradition. As one of our pastors in the area said, he said, Wartburg, that's where you have the universal church expressed, um, where we see the depth and the beauty of the wholeness of Christianity as seen through the Lutheran confessions. People gravitate towards that because it's something that I think people really need. They really want to be part of. They want to be Christian, but they want to be Christian in its fullest sense. That's what we offer people. So 
we we start at the congregational level when when you're saying I'm seeking this, I want to start out here, I want to live here. Well, yeah, make those connections and those relationships within the church. But most people in the county are not going to immediately uh, discount you because you're a Lutheran. Uh, they want to see you as a person. They want to know if you're someone that they can relate to as, as a human being, uh, someone they can befriend. And they care about that far more than, than affiliation. I think I wouldn't bring up or be argumentative right off the bat. Uh, it, it's more a kind of a conversation that says, okay, well, let me share with you what we believe rather than you're wrong and this is terrible. You know, that, that doesn't get anywhere. And rarely will you come across people like that. And Southern manners kind of prohibit a really aggressive conversation most of the time. So you're not going to run into that, but that's kind of the underlying feel. And sometimes it comes up here or there and it's really frustrating. However, most of the time, I think people want to see you as a person. Um, and if you want to start here and be part of the community, just get to know people, talk to people, uh, make friends with people because they're just people like anyone else. But we got to keep in mind they're people who have been not treated well, I think, as a whole for a long, long time. And to show people that kind of care and that love and you're not looking down on them, you're not judging them because we live in a in a historically poor part of the country. But actually, you you want to be friends with them, you, you want to be close to them. That's going to speak more to them than anything else. And then everything else can come after. But I'd say making friends and just being a part of the community, just going out and shopping in town and meeting people in town and you know, heck, why not go the dirt track race? <laughs> why not go with people down the lake, uh, go on the boats there in the in the mountain lakes that we have here? I mean, that's, I think, uh, the best way to go about it. There's tons to do and uh, a lot of opportunities to meet people. Again, it's a small town, so you're not going to go unnoticed for long if you're out and about and we see you. Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit more about one of the things that you mentioned just now, and that that is that people feel a little forgotten in Appalachia. Let's talk about what that means and what would you say to our listeners who aren't familiar with Appalachia? This whole region, especially the Appalachian Southeast, uh, has been neglected uh, for for a long, long time. If you read Hillbilly Elegy by J.D. Vance, that's a really good explanation of what life here uh, has been like. I read that and I said, well, there's a lot of work work there. Um, where people have been capped, especially since um, the early days, you can keep in mind it's a very clannish sort of area, and and not the not the bad clan, uh, but but sort of the Scotch Irish heritage clannish, to where very tight knit groups. They don't really they were known for not letting many people in. At the same time, there's not huge industry out here for a long time. It was coal mine. Uh, there's a lot of mining operations here uh, where they would do mining in the mountains, and and historically miners were not treated all that well. Um, they were they were basically as you hear in the uh, the old country song, I sold my soul to the company store. <laughs> 16 tons, what do you get, right? Well, that's kind of the story of this area. And so ever since Reconstruction, especially, uh, the people here have been kept even more in, in generational poverty, to where it's historically depressed, and some of those depressed forest areas of the whole country are out here in Appalachia. Um, and as time went on, it, you know, you, you had the depression come at a different time, where, yeah, everybody was very poor in the 30s. However, the lack of jobs post-World War II really hit the Southeast in a bad way, and most people went up to Chicago or uh, to Ohio or to Michigan, to the Rust Belt areas to work. And then when those jobs kind of fell away, they came back and moved back here. Um, 
only till recently has Tennessee seen a real boon in, in economic development, to see a real boon in, in businesses coming and, and showing up. For a long time, it was just you know not a whole lot to sustain the area. And so, and, and especially recently with the opioid ep epidemic, uh, with uh, heroin abuse, pill abuse, but especially pill and methamphetamines, huge problem out here. Uh, people run to drugs when they give up hope. They don't. They don't have a, a career. They don't have a job. They they are stuck in poverty. They don't feel they can get in or get out of. Um, that's been passed down generation to generation. And so um, they're promised so much. Oh, we're going to help you with this, and and nothing ever comes through. So there's a real distrust of outsiders from time to time that, that you can get a sense of, but more distrust of government. Um, and that's why out here, it's it's kind of a different uh, mindset in the world. And yes, they look very much, they feel very much looked down on uh, by others. And I think that's absolutely ridiculous because you're looking down on some of the best people I've ever known in my life. And they've always been part of that class, the working poor. Um, but... You know, it, it seems that people just say, hey, we can disregard him. Uh, and when, when you hear about things like privilege and, and that, well, and some kernels of that may be true, well, it certainly doesn't hold true here, um, where you know, people stay in a certain state. That's certainly not everybody. Uh, but that historically has characterized this area and, and has been manifestly uh, a problem for, for, for 100 years or and it's always been an issue here. Doesn't mean that they're less than. Like I said, I, I love living here, and I think a lot of people do. Uh, but you start to get start to get a little craven or, or a little uh, a little distrustful uh, if you keep seeing people promise you things and you just back your head. You you know that's ah, never going to happen. Um, so again, you know you have incredible people, but unfortunately, I think have been treated very poorly for a long, long time. Absolutely. Any paths that we haven't gone down yet that you think we need to explore as well? No, I think, you know, the thing I'll finish with is just kind of the remarkable resilience of Lutheranism in, in this environment and how it's be, really is so robust and and how it's, uh, you know, especially today. And we've seen for the past few years, I mean, I've done, I mean, I had six adult, six adults in confirmation. This year, I have another class coming up. I've never done two classes in one year for adults, but there's usually an adult class every year. I baptized a whole family back in 2019 uh, who are coming away from this. Another family in 2017, another family in 2018. And there's usually adult baptisms with each one because as much as they're raised Baptist, they were never baptized because you, you get baptized when you're ready, when you feel that you're ready to commit your life. So there's a lot of unbaptized people here. <laughs> um and so, yeah, I mean, it's it's something that's growing because we're the, the word is getting out more and more, and people are explaining, especially their converts, what they believe, and more people are saying, "Hey, I want that," because what I was raised with this crazy. <laughs> I don't want that in the Bible. I don't want to mean people too much. I was raised with this absolutely nuts, and I want I want to be a Christian, but I don't want to do that. I, I want to be a, a Christian. So they see it for the first time, they're just like, "Wow, this is this is it," and they become very devout. That's great. I want to jump back to the Appalachia question. What do you think? I think there's a temptation, especially when we aren't in a place that we understand exactly what to do to jump to a solution. But what would you say to somebody who's coming into this area without saying, oh, this is how you fix it? What would you say, this is how you live here successfully? Is Does it go back to that just 
letting people know that you're present and that you're here and you're committed to them? Or is there something else that, that somebody coming in should know? No, I, I think that's it. I, I think they should be aware of the history. They should be aware that it's a small town and, and small town is small town, no matter what part of the country you're in, and small town comes with all of its uh, goods uh, and its bads and its ups and its downs. There's, there's things that are helpful about living in a small town. There's things that can be uh, less convenient. And so I think if you're just kind of aware of that background, that's good. But also know that you're in the South and, and Southerners have a, a slower pace of life. They have a different pace of life, a different outlook. And they want to bring you to be part of that. If you impose upon them, uh, well, I'm from I'm from Ohio and this is the way things go in Ohio. Or I'm from Indiana and this is how things go in Indiana. This is what you can do. You're not going to get a, get a good audience on that. Uh, you're not going to get a lot of people buying into that. They, they want you to be part of their a culture, which I, I put it to you, is pretty awesome. <laughs> a slower pace of life, uh, taking things easy has its benefits. Uh, it has some downsides when you want to get things done in a more quicker fashion, but uh, they, they want you to slow down and, and be with them, and, and they don't really want to conform to what you think is right, but they want you to be part of their life and their community and to slow down, take it easy, and get to know people and to say, hey, we're not in a rush. We're here. And just really the first thing that you mentioned is, is the important be present, show people you care, you want to be part of it, uh, and just be a regular person that, that wants to be with them and, and get to know them. And it takes some time. It takes a little bit longer than other places. Uh, but once you're in there, you're in there for life. Great. Earlier in the podcast, you mentioned that if you're bored in Tennessee, it's your fault. So let's talk a little bit more about what things you'd recommend seeing or doing or places to eat. If you have a friend coming into the area, where would you say, ah, we got to go here? Oh, well, if a friend coming in the area, if they just stay for a day, I mean, they're going to be overwhelmed because, because we got to do everything. Um, we're known here uh, for the uh, Obed Scenic and Wild River National Park. It's actually a national park that we have here. And that's a this is a destination, actually, from people from Wisconsin or uh, Washington, where you're from, who come here to climb. Uh, because when it's cold and wintering up there, it's not so bad down here. So they love to come down here. Those are northern climates who are big climbers come down here to climb. Uh, we're home to the Frozen Head uh, State Park, which is uh, the site for the Barkley Ultra Marathon. Some people have seen that on Great Big Story years ago. It became very, very uh, popular here to, to see. Everyone was real excited to see Morgan County uh, featured. But people come from all around the world. Uh, just to race in the Barkley Ultra Marathon. If you want to know what that is, look it up on YouTube. There's a great big story about it. Really cool. It happens uh, once a year. There's a there's a little version of it that happens in a different part of the year, but it happens right here in Morgan County, literally down the street. Absolute beautiful mountains. People can hike. Uh, a lot of outdoor things to do. Our natural beauty is the big draw for people uh, to come to Morgan County. So that is there in spades. We now are starting breweries. Some of our members uh, have actually begun their own brewery. Uh, which is Moco Brewing Project. Uh, you also have others that have sprung up over the years, but the first one, Wartburg, is founded by members of St. Paul, and that's become a really uh, popular place, especially on the weekends. And around it, businesses have begun to grow up more and more. So there's more things to do in Wartburg. There's more things to do within the town. But we are just really spitting distance from the Great Smoky Mountains, Knoxville, Oak Ridge. There's a lot to do. The old prison here, uh, Brushy Mountain State Prison, uh, which is uh, old Crow Medicine Show did a song about that uh, not too long ago on their album Remedy, uh, is now converted from a prison into a uh, 
restaurant and to a tourist site. And so that's a place a lot of people like to go to and visit. They have a distillery there as well. Uh, and moonshine distilling has been uh, a big thing in Tennessee since about 08, 09, when uh, it became legal. And Old Smoky, or Old Smoky, I believe is the name of it, um, distilling opened in Gatlinburg. Gatlinburg is only about an hour, 20 minutes from us in the heart of the Smoky Mountains. Uh, it's it's kind of like Branson, Missouri, if you've ever been there. It's, it's a Pigeon Forge, Gatlinburg area is really big for tourism. Um, people come to see shows and they go to dinner shows. They, they go to all these fun things for kids. Dollywood is famous for having Dollywood there and Pigeon Forge. Dolly Parton helped build up that community from uh, abject poverty to now being one of the biggest entertainment centers of a whole state in the Southeast region. Um, and it's completely transformed from when she was a kid to where it is now. And you see that same thing happen in Gatlinburg, where it's nothing but entertainment. Smoky Mountains have so much to do. We have lakes where you can go down and spend time uh, on the lake. You get a lake house for the weekend, go on the boat. It's it's a wonderful time uh, there. Knoxville has everything you can want in the big city, from Market Square to Turkey Creek, everything in between. There's a whole lot to do uh, and to see in, in East Tennessee. And like I said, if you're bored, it's your fault because we have everything from amusement parks to natural beauty to just chilling out of the lake or chilling out of the mountains or just going down and being entertained in Gatlinburg, Pigeon Forge, uh, going even in places like Maryville. There's places you get on and raft down the river. It's just there's so much to do. Great. So now as we start to close out the podcast, before I ask my closing questions, I want to make sure to give you the opportunity to point our listeners where you'd like your church's website, places to follow you online, or would you like to point our listeners? So we're pretty active on Facebook. Just look up St. Paul Lutheran Church, Warburg, Tennessee. Uh, you can find us pretty easy. Just like us there and follow us on, on Facebook. Uh, we also have a website, www.splcwartburg.org. That's W-A-R-T-B-U-R-G. So splcwartburg.org. That is our website. Uh, check us out there, and we have our, our Facebook feed, and we have our uh, live streams from Sunday morning on that. You can watch all of our services, and we live stream that on Facebook as well. So you, you can follow us on the internet. You can follow us on uh, uh, social media, and we have a presence there. And uh, you can check us out on those uh, platforms. We'd love to have you check in and check us out. Fantastic. Dear listener, you can find links to all that great stuff that Pastor Graves just mentioned at the show notes page. That will be at lutheran slash 76. Pastor Graves, thanks for, so much for your time today and to welcoming us to East Tennessee and telling us a little bit about Appalachia. What are your parting thoughts for our listeners? Well, you got to come and see it. It's a wonderful place to visit. We have millions of visitors a year in East Tennessee and it is well worth every minute spent here. And we'd love to invite you to come join us at church. People will be, would love to have you and welcome you with open arms. So you're more than welcome to join us, be part of our community. And I think really what I want to leave with is we're getting ready to celebrate our 175th anniversary. It's just the remarkable story of the people, uh, the people of St. Paul Lutheran Church, and the remarkable story, story of what our Lord Jesus has done here uh, through them, to where you have a robust Christianity, a robust confessional Lutheranism that exists uh, in the heart of Appalachia, that had an improbable and, and uh, beginning, and, and it, it it was tested throughout history many times through uh, the Civil War and different depressions and, and different hardships, but it's made it through all the better and all the stronger uh, through the faithfulness of, of God's people, but above all through the Holy Spirit working through each and every one of them uh, 
who love the Lord, love his church, and uh, love the gospel above everything else. And that's what we celebrate here, and that's why we're here, and that's what we continue to do. I hope until our Lord comes back, St. Paul's will be a strong place for the gospel and for all people to come and meet Jesus for the first time. Amen. Thank you again. God's peace. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Lutheran Cartographer. For more about the things that we talked about today, check out the show notes page. That'll be at lutherancartographer.com slash 76. Better personal news to share with you. I've decided to take a job offer in St. Louis at Concordia Publishing House. I'll be working on their web applications there. I'm very excited about it. Later on, I may do an episode about the decision to move to St. Louis and all that good stuff, but for the meantime, thought that you might find that interesting. For now, go ahead, if you're interested in that Audible offer, to check that out at lutherancartographer.com audible. And until next time, I'm Nicholas Weber. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you soon.